Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to a Believe podcast. I'm your host, John Hoisenstamm, and this is The Guitar Life. My special guest today is one of the all-time greatest bass players ever. None other than Vale Johnson. We're going to talk about how he crisscrossed his way throughout the world, making a name for himself. They say great bass players are as rare as hen's teeth. Well, he's a rarity, all right. A walking phenomenon. I hope you enjoy our conversation. How have you been? Doing well. Yeah, just cruising along, man. You man, uh, excuse me, managing to stay busy uh, during the uh, COVID thing here? Yeah, I've just I've been doing a lot of my own stuff, you know, and working on working on new music and you know, I've done a couple of gigs. Uh just small stuff here in town and all and doing doing some house concerts now. I do I have a solo a, a totally solo show that I do, so can you talk a little bit about that? I saw that on uh, Facebook. You were chatting with some guy about solo bass performance, which is musical, yeah. mm-hmm. Mus- mm-hmm. a musical bass performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. The point being, just I want to. Pl- I'm just. I, I just want to play music. It's not about. So who cares that it's the bass? It's just I'm. You know, I'm playing music on it. You know, Chords, so. harmonics, melodies. Uh, well, yeah. well, and I'm doing. I'm doing the. Uh, the looper thing too, so okay. I'm setting up loops and 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 all that. And, and is, is that a tri logic pedal? What do you do with that? Tri logic pedal. Oh, I don't use that anymore. Okay, <laughs> sorry. I, I <laughs> Did you throw that, that one no, in the just... trash? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know where that went. Somebody's got it. <laughs> no, I'm doing the. Uh, I use that Boss that RC three hundred, you know, okay, the three channel yeah. looper thing, and you know, because I. You know, so I'm. I, yeah, uh, you could turn the bass up a little bit more in the. Uh... Oh, I, yeah, I don't. I I didn't plug it into oh, this. Oh, okay. So I don't, if you wanted I don't... to do some of that, sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's all right. Hey, I was just sitting here practicing. So. Yeah, which we all should be doing while we're not doing much of anything else. Um, yeah, yeah, it's rough. So, uh, you were from a family that had seven kids, right? Yep, se- seven boys. I'm the youngest. Seven boys. Yeah. No sisters. I'm the seventh. Seventh wow. son. So you had, your, That's me. you had to fight your way through to the top, huh? Oh yeah. 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 Every every uh, every day was a was a battle for uh, survival, not in a bad way. It was just, you know, supremacy. Being the of all those boys. <laughs> oh man, it was it was rough. Yeah. I get the first biscuit type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. Um did you guys ever break out cuz you cuz uh I guess you guys were musicians. Most of you, right? You guys all, all us, played yeah. in this, yeah. All of us pro- professional, and our mom and her mom and and her grandmother. They're all on my mom's side. All musicians going back to the. Well, we we know so far as like the mid eighteen hundreds. Wow. All musicians, you know, uh, you know, we got opera singers and carnival people and all kinds of crazy entertainers. Stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so did you guys ever have? Um, a fight breakout during a rehearsal where all the instruments became lethal weapons and suddenly there were guitars and basses and drums and everything flying through the room. Anything like that ever happened? Not with my brothers, but I've had plenty of that happen in other bands I've been in. <laughs> I remember I destroyed a guy's drum set one time with a samurai sword. That was pretty fun. He was. Uh, I believe you. I was I was hard on drummers, but my one of my older brothers, my brother Ron, who was a Seattle Symphony, was a percussionist for forty five years in there, before he passed, and he had a samurai sword collection, 
and he left it downstairs in our in our house in in the practice room. And so I remember having this, you know, in high school, this drummer man was driving me nuts, and I and I got I got his samurai sword and I and I slashed through all of his heads and started chopping at the shells and I told him to get out of it. Yeah, we didn't do any gigs together after that. No, I, I believe it. <laughs> But but I have I have a lot of empathy for you because in my life I've had two fist fights and both of them were with drummers so I'm on, I'm on your side yeah 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 I remember in a in a, a club gig one time when I first moved to LA back uh. in 1980 80 or 81 I was down there for like a year and I remember this drummer would drive me nuts man we're playing uh-oh. uh we're, oh, we're doing I a love club it. gig keep it coming and we're playing uh. <laughs> What's that? What's that song? The uh, what? Now, it's this ladies' night and the feelings right. And you know, and it's cool in the gang. You know, so the drums are the drums on almost all the cool in the gang stuff is just doom, bat, doom, bat, right? Yeah. And the bass line goes boom, 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 boom. And he wouldn't just play straight through it. Every time he'd go, he'd go boom, 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 doom, doom, bat, bat, psh. <laughs> this this hi hat accent with the kick spoil drum spoil the dance and pocket me, and he oh man he's killed me with it and I remember picking up the hi hat stand and the hi hats and hitting them with it just chucked it at him <laughs> in the middle of the gig when he was playing that because he wouldn't stop doing it and so I took care of the hi hat <laughs> <laughs> oh my god then, fantastic and then and then I quit <sighs> drinking in 1984 and none of that happened again. <laughs> Oh, so it really wasn't the drummer's fault. <laughs> oh, it was the drummer's fault. I just didn't have any, I just didn't have a filter. You know, I didn't have anything restricting yeah. me. Nothing to restrict you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I could, <laughs> I could man. go on about drummers. Yeah. But uh, this is your show. So I'm not going to talk about myself. But uh, yeah, drummers, uh, you can't live without them, actually, if you're playing in a rock band. It's the most important aspect that's going on stage, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. To them, anyway. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, why I started wow. doing my solo show. I get sick of trying to deal with deal with drummers, man. Yeah. And, and yeah. So I, I'm doing my solo thing with the looper, playing it, and then doing it all on bass. You know, it's not tracks. It's actually stuff I recorded on. Sure. You know, I'm recording on the bass. It's none of this. Is it available uh, to the public? Any of this stuff, or is it no. just live shows right now? It's just live shows. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just live shows. That's the yeah. That's the whole point because I love. So I love playing live, and uh, well, it's 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 fun. I, I call it "Around the World in Forty Years" is the name. Yeah, of the yeah, show. I saw that. Yeah, that's cool. And and basically, it's music and musings from forty-year uh, career. So I'll talk about uh, the artists I've worked with, and then play a song of theirs. So I'll do I'll tell a story about Stevie Nicks, maybe, or Michael Bolton, or Edgar Winter, or whatever. And then I'll play one of their songs, doing it the, the way that I do it. So that's it's kind of cool. half storytelling and. And comedy. Are you hoping to take that on the road sometime? Well, I'm doing it out here in the eastern part of the U.S., you know, because I live in Nashville now, you know, of course. But, uh, yeah, I get out on the road. I even, I bought an RV. I got this uh, Airstream uh, motorhome, and I pack up uh, the cat and and my wife if she wants to come on whichever time, you know, and I go out and I do it. It, It's reminding me of, uh, like, what Steve Martin would do. He would do the same sort of thing with his banjo. You know, he would play banjo and tell stories it's more like you're like a folk bassist telling folk <laughs> stories legendary music stories yeah. and then you uh you know you yeah. entertain people with the bass it's fantastic I, lo- yeah. I love the concept yeah yeah thanks thanks yeah yeah it's been it's been working out well so i'm gonna do a bunch more of it yeah now now when you were in school you uh used to play football right you know this, i did i, I bl- did and many other other sports as well yeah uh believe podcast who are uh, working through this network they're primarily a sports uh, network but they're going to be uh, branching out to entertainment like mm-hmm. what we're doing here uh, i remember talking to you once you said you uh, what did you we were a linebacker for the huskies or what what was your what did you do strong, strong, safety. strong safety strong safety for yeah university of washington wow yeah. and i remember asking if uh, you got any aches and pains from that and you said every bone in my body hurts yeah. So, so uh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, well good. I've had a bunch of I've had a bunch of joint replacements since I saw you last. Is that you right? I just, yeah, I've just worn stuff out. Yeah, because I because I did a, a you know I was playing a sport every season. I never really had a season off. 
you know, all the way from junior high. Up you played everything, baseball, yeah. football, basketball. No, 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 never, never played baseball. No, it was, it was uh, football and wrestling and basketball. And I rode on the uh, crew, you know, rowing at the yeah, University sure, of Washington. Crew. Did track and field in junior high and high school. And then also played lacrosse in, uh, at the university. And never worried about player. hurting your hands and your precious fingers uh, to play the bass, huh? I never really thought about it too much, but I, uh, you know, when I was playing, you know, f- football, of course, you know, I taped them, I taped them up pretty good to make sure they didn't get ripped off, you know, <laughs> torn off because I knew I needed them, but I never really thought about it. Wow. That's probably because why everybody... you didn't get hurt. You, you yeah. Were... Well, they, I didn't, uh, you know, I've got, I've got some joint injuries. I've had some joint, you know, thing, you know, thumb surgery, a joint replacement removal and all this stuff. So yeah, I mean, I've, I've had some little things that once you get to be uh, at our age, they turn into big things, but yeah, but uh, nothing bad. I didn't break any of the fingers, but. You were talking about motorcycles too, in an interview I I saw, uh, and you were talking about one of your idols, uh, Kenny Roberts. And then (laughs) Kenny Roberts, man, he was the, he was the best. We're talking, you know, late sixties through, you know, mid seventies, you know, world champion. (laughs) And you know, it's cool. Uh, to hear you talk about it, but then I saw this picture of you and uh, I guess a motorcycle that you're riding right now, and your and your uniform or your outfit. And I said, "Well, he wasn't kidding. That is some serious looking wheels." What was that oh, bike? Yeah. That red uh, was that a Triumph oh, or a I just, BMW? No, I just, I, well, I just put that up on uh, that just showed up on Facebook uh, yeah, a few few days back. Uh, that was a Suzuki GSX R eleven hundred. Uh, from the 80s and so that was so I did that I, I raced on the track out there you know Willow Springs and Sears Point you know I raced a little bit for a couple of years you know in the in the late 80s well you've done it all uh extreme tell tell us uh, is there any uh close calls uh, on the motorcycle any uh you know I'm lucky to be alive type stories <laughs> I don't no I don't think so I don't think so. I mean, I, I crashed twice on the track. I mean, and if you're going to race, you're going to crash a couple of times, but they were both like low side, just a slide, yeah, you know, just no, no slid out deal. from under you. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, I crashed once on the street, uh, coming out on, on Mulholland right after I moved uh, to LA from Seattle. And if you're going to be a motorcyclist in Seattle, you're going to ride in the rain a lot because it's, it's always raining. And so I was used to riding in the rain and I had no, I just moved to LA and I had no idea of the concept of, you know, it doesn't rain for three months. And then when it does, it gets really slick. Yeah. Oil slick. And yeah. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm cruising along through a corner like I normally do in the rain and I just slid out, you know, and so I learned my lesson there. No, I don't think I had a close. That's good. Nothing really Lucky for us music lovers. <laughs> oh, oh, well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. But I've, put, I've, I've ridden a, I figured it out one time. It's probably close to about a half a million miles on the street. I used to, I used to ride thirty, forty thousand miles a year just for fun on your bike, taking trips. I was going to say over. it sounds like fun yeah. when you got control of it. Yeah. So, yeah. So you were just talking about coming from Seattle to L.A., but you're we're talking to you in Nashville right now, right? So that's uh, yeah. There's three big moves right there. What brought you to L.A. Yeah. originally? Well, I came down. You know, I I'm met up with kenny g back in 86 in seattle that's the whole okay. band's from seattle except for uh bruce carter uh who uh, who's a portland guy our drummer at the time of course and um so i met him at 86 and we started doing some we were you know i mean we were playing you know club gigs bar bands and you know and stuff mm-hmm. you know and uh, small theaters and all that and then once this songbird thing hit in 87 it just went crazy and so it's like oh it's just a natural natural thing to think well man i just want to let's go to la that's where everything's happening you know okay and so i was one of the lucky ones you know or fortunate however you want to look at it fortunate guys to move there with a gig you know so yeah so it, it would have been totally different obviously if i'd moved if i'd moved there just without connections or whatever like a lot of people do and that's i could see how that could be really hard but uh, yeah, I was fortunate. So I went there with a gig and met a lot of people and it was and the, the transitioning into the scene there came pretty, pretty natural for cool. me. So I started working with, you know, dozens of different people. You know, when Kenny's not on the road, I mean, I was out with so many different, different yeah, guys. I'm looking or, at a list of some of these people. Herbie Hancock, 
Uh, you played with Stevie Nicks, Keb Moe. Keb Moe, you used a bit of blues yeah. there, huh? Blue oh, blues. yeah, yeah. I, I hooked up with him. We both moved to Nashville area at the same time in 2010. Keb grew up in, in L.A., and I never knew him there. But we met through a mutual friend here uh, in, in actually in Franklin is the small town where, where we live here outside of Nashville. Yeah. And, we, and uh, yeah, and, and I think I, and I told you one time, I said, I learned so much about blues from you playing at the Studio Freaking Cafe in Newport <laughs> Beach. I got you the gig, huh? Man, I'm telling you, I, I learned so much that as soon as I got in with Keb, I mean, I used all of that stuff, and it was just a natural fit. And I told you that before. I give you credit for that always. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I learned the polka shuffle from John Hewson-Stam. <laughs> I learned, I learned that Stam's vibe. Bavarian blues. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Man. <laughs> and so, so I tell you, that came in really handy, and I, and, uh, I had a blast Good playing stuff. with Keb, you know. Yeah, well, well, you know, he his story to me is kind of like the reversal of fortune, being a studio musician in Los Angeles, and then suddenly he's a blues artist. You know, it's like, hey, wait a minute, that's yeah. kind of back to front. You know, uh, <laughs> usually these guys start with the blues, like George Benson. He always said he started with the blues, and he thought you had to be special to become a jazz guitar player. But right, uh, right. Keb Moe was a studio guy playing all kinds of music and suddenly he just comes out with all this traditional uh, blues and that's yep. what gets him going on his uh solo career you know that's what gets him popularized you know yeah, yeah oh yeah it was amazing it was, that's and an it was quite a bit, story quite a bit later in life for him you know he wasn't a solo artist you know at 20 <laughs> by any stretch you know it was way later so so I also see that you played with Eric Marenthal and uh, Frank Gambale. The reason I'm bringing oh, yeah. that up is because that's technical music, more jazz yeah. uh, demanding. Can uh -huh. you talk a little yeah. bit about Frank? I think he's a great guitar player. Oh, man, for, playing with Frank was really great. I, and I played with the two of them together sometimes, too, but then in, in their own separate bands. And uh, and Frank's stuff was was uh, just a blast. He's a He was a real easy guy to to work with. And um, and the music was, you know, some of it was pretty complicated. I actually learned to do a, a, a bunch of the unison stuff. I decided to teach myself how to do the sweet picking thing on bass so that I could match it up better with him, you know, when we'd have to do those sure. things instead exactly of doing with the fingers. Yeah. And so so I would so I learned that. But he was really great. We we played we went around the world. We went, we were all over all over Europe. I mean, we went to Brazil, you know, and toured all over you know that the whole country really and uh man it, it was just really it was really a lot of fun he's where was a great he, player where was he living at the time because i know he's uh, australian based originally he's from australia right right yeah, yeah he was living in uh was it hollywood hills or yeah i think i would say that would be the area he was in the hollywood hills See, i, I we spent were... a lot of time in australia you know my wife's australian julie but uh when i when i hear about australians like him and tommy emmanuel you know uh -huh. who lives in Nashville? Have you done anything yeah. with him? Have you oh, met yeah. him? Yeah, I've played. Yeah, yeah, I've played with him before. Those guys Not are recently. Those guys are Australians, yeah. you know, and uh, for them to come yeah. over here is a really big deal. I mean, that's a that's yeah. a transcontinental uh, risk, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, George Benson, what was he like to work for? Because he seems like the nicest guy on earth to me. I mean. And I'm pulling and George, these. Sorry, I'm pulling these guitar circle. players out because it's meant to be a guitar, bass, whatever kind of show. Right. But I like to talk about right guys like well, him. Well, I remember meeting George. Uh, George and Kenny G were managed by the same management company back in the '80s, okay. and so some of our first tours were were with uh, were opening for George back back in the day, and then there were times when then he would come and and uh, and play with us. And and come and do do our gig and and you know all of that sort of thing, and then um, well, you guys would be an ideal band to back him up. I mean, like, yeah, he must have liked really, that. It was yeah, oh yeah, it's it's really cool. And so then, even as recently, I guess as you know, it's like every year we do a run of dates, even though the management company is not the same anymore, of course. But we do uh, some runs with them. I we just did one uh, last uh, spring spring into summer. And um, man, he's just he's just a blast. Now you you would you would go nuts Maybe to I be did able to, sit, to be able to sit and pick his brain because 
he loves to he loves to tell you tell you stories and talk about his experiences if you just ask him i mean he's really cool that way and so i remember one show we're playing at the uh uh, the uh, the mountain winery up in Saratoga, I think, up in you know the Bay Area, mm-hmm. gig up there, and we're sitting backstage is right before right before his his set, and you know he likes to have a glass of white wine, kick back, and right before mm-hmm. the show, and so he's sitting there, and and I'm and I come up to him just kind of randomly, it, co- it popped into my head. I said, I said, so George, man, did you ever have a chance to you know ever play with Wes Montgomery? And he goes, Oh, let me tell you about Brother Wes. You know, and then all of a sudden we're talking about Wes Montgomery. He's talking yeah. about all these stories about him and Wes and or him and Les Paul and things. And it's just like this. He has such an amazing, uh, you know, career and life that that uh, and yeah. he'll just sit and he'll tell you he'll answer any question you have. He just lo- he loves to talk. To I'll try and get him on the show. Maybe he'll bite. That'd be great. Oh, man. He's just yeah, he's a ton of fun. And I tell you what, he's uh, I guess he must be my maybe 74. Four now i'm thinking mm-hmm. but he is still absolutely bringing it a hundred percent by the time by the time the show ramps up toward the like the last third i mean he's on freaking fire man yeah he can, he can still play, huh? do it he can still do it i'm telling you man and it's just it'll it's just uh it's inspiring yeah it's inspiring because his solos the only two guys i've ever worked with that soloed with with this concept herbie hancock and george benson where when they're soloing i never hear the you know something you would call a signature lick or or something that a lick that they come back to like we all have our licks that are like okay that's something we do it's like this it's like turning on a faucet of creativity and it's just always you know it's it's extemporaneous and new every single night and that's amazing to me yeah, you know, because I've never played with anybody else. So those two guys, man, and it's like, wow. He's got, and he just uh, goes and goes, and it's just fluid and beautiful and lyrical and and technical. And it's, man, it's really cool. There's a keyboard guy I used to work with uh, Charles Mims. He's uh, Patrice Russian's ex-boyfriend, I would think by now. They're we're getting kind of old, <laughs> but okay. uh, he used to talk about George Benson being very rhythmic. In other words. He might play the same set of notes, but he would do them rhythmically different every time. He would mix it up depending on who he was uh, working with and how the rhythm section was going. But he he had that kind of yeah spontaneity, being able to like uh, continuously change things back and forth. Yeah, even a yeah. piano player could spot that. Isn't that hard to believe? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think they ever listened to guitar. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly <laughs> the point I'm trying to make here. Yeah, okay. They're always just waiting for the guitar to stop for a second so they can throw stuff in. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. I'm glad this isn't a keyboard show. <laughs> Good for you. Thanks for putting that in there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> so let's talk about your bass that you're playing right now. Is that a, a Roscoe? Is that what I'm, I'm hearing about? Are well, you... I've got, I've got, there's three favorites right now. And yeah, Keith Roscoe out okay. in North Carolina made me a couple of really great five string deals uh fretless and a fretted and uh he made me a really beautiful uh five string with the uh double precision pickups in it because I, I i like the precision sound well that's than, interesting uh, i haven't heard of that before yeah usually it's, it's a precision pickup with a jazz pickup in the back you got it yeah, front yeah. and back yeah 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 that's and a so great idea so i, I like wow. that and then uh and mike tobias built me a bass a five string precision style again uh that's that's fantastic as well it's different it's, it's got has a real edgy aggressive tone to it the roscoe has a smoother sound mm-hmm. and then you know i still use my good old-fashioned cubicies you know the yeah. old x factors from the 80s so in my solo show i'm mostly playing i'm back to playing my cubicies all the time now you know okay so it's really fun I'm not going to ask you how many bases that you have, but uh, let's have a little fun here with bases, right? We're going to we're going to critique bases throughout history, right here. I haven't done this with anybody yet on the show, but you're the perfect guy to do this. All right. Have you ever played or owned a Hofner bass? Yeah, piece of shit. Hate that stuff. <laughs> what a joke. Okay, how about a how about a how about a K? Did you ever have a? <laughs> don't don't, don't I laugh. Don't. I don't 
think so. Okay. I don't think so. Okay, we're moving forward here. Okay. <laughs> Thumbs down, right? If they're if we're part of a Roman Carthaginian kind yeah. of like slaughter, oh, yeah. thumbs down. Off Ex- with the headstock. <laughs> Off with the <laughs> headstock. <laughs> Beautiful. There you go. See, you're the perfect guy for this. You know okay. what? A good a Hoffner is good. It'd make a good freaking ashtray, I think. You know, because you got the F holes. I think a Hoffner would be really good for that. And it's. <laughs> oh my God. Those yeah. poor people. <laughs> or maybe a, maybe a small canoe for my cat. Maybe it would float long enough for my cat to go in it. You know, that'd be pretty good. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I've seen you playing a Fender bass before. Now, I've, got a six, I've got a 62 Precision that is pretty much my all-time favorite instrument. And if I could play it on more gigs, I would. Sadly, so many people like the extra range of a 5. Or right. even like with my X-Factor. Even with Kev Mo, huh? This tune with the D. Yeah, he even prefers the 5, you know. Okay. Cause it, his his uh, his more recent albums, you know, they all have the lower register. But I've got a '62 Precision that I bought in about '87, I think, and it's freaking awesome. I love that bass. I mean, Leo got it right in so many ways on the guitars and the basses. He got it right the first time. Yeah, that low F, huh? You play that low F on the E string, and it's <laughs> yeah. you still got I, sound, you know. Yeah. Well, what I love about it is that you can play you play on the G string and it's still thick. It's still oh, a yeah. thick so sound. A full it does, tone it's not, out of it. It's not twangy. It still has a thick sound. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good for you, man. Okay. I ever have a Gibson bass? I did. I had a uh, uh, the Gibson rapist. I mean Ripper. Ripper. I had a Ripper bass. <laughs> rapist. I had a Gibson rapist. Um, I think that a was Jack the one the with Ripper. The, Three with a three pickup thing, right? I had one that was a three pickup, and then I had the one with the pickup that slid back and forth. What the heck was that called? It was a single pickup, and it was in a little channel and a grabber. Well, that was an arm grabber. A grabber. I had a I had a grabber, and I had a ripper, and I had um, yeah, and those were I mean, miserable instruments. The necks are so thin. I don't know. It's good for um. Guys that enter in the midget toss, you'd probably be good. Midgets would like Gibson basses because they're small. There's well, first very small hands of people that smell like cabbage. What was the clear bass uh, that had the pickup that slid back and forth? Those ones Dan that... Armstrong. Yeah, I, had one of those. I was going to say Armstrong, yeah. but I was yeah. afraid to had come a, out with it. Had an Armstrong. Yeah, it made a good coffee table. <laughs> good top. Yep. Poor Armstrong. Yeah. How about Yamaha basses? They seem to be pretty good. Did you ever have a good I, Yamaha? I did have a good Yamaha once, yeah. And again, it was like it was a precision bass pickup, you know, copy. Yeah, okay. yeah. Some of the uh, I would say the Japanese made Yamahas of yesteryear of eight, um, the eighties and the seventies. Yeah, yeah. I think they were really good. Yeah. I, I, how about an Ibanez? You must have had an Ibanez at one time. I don't think I haven't had ever had an or Ibanez. an Aria. I had an Aria Pro too. There you go. And that was a nice bass. That was that was also in the mid eighties. Early '80s, it was a nice bass. The Aria, that was—I mean, the the Japanese-made stuff was great back then. I'm afraid to I bring thought. this one up, but because they're an American company. But did you ever have a Guild bass? I had a Guild. Um, I'm trying to remember what that was. I just remember it was red and it looked pretty cool. I can't remember anything else about it. I know I, those I did poor have a guys. Guild. <laughs> I had a I had a Guild bass. Yeah. Okay, how about you know, a Rickenbacker? I had a black Rickenbacker with the white because I was a big Chris Squire guy early on. Okay. And and so I, that was like right out of high school and it was yeah, when I went right when I went to university, I had that black Rick the 4001 and I was playing with a pick and doing all doing all that uh yes and Emerson Lake and Palmer and I loved Kansas. Although he even I'm pretty sure he played a precision, but he played with a pick, you know, and I loved uh, Dave Hope, I think, is his yeah. name. Yeah, fantastic bass player. Yeah, yeah. But, when you uh, pull a pick out, man, you know how to make it work. I've, I've played with you when you've done that. And I always look over. Hey, he's using a pick. God, listen to that. <laughs> Turn. <laughs> got a huge, gigantic guitar sound. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we got the Kubicki and the Roscoe out of the way. How about one of these Olympic? I never had an Olympic. I had a copy of an Olympic. Uh, it was called a Hayak. Made in Seattle, H Y A K, and it and, weighed a ton. Uh, and it weighed it weighed about 
it was about 79, 80 pounds. Uh, and it was so heavy and dense and stiff. I mean, I thought I wanted an Olympic, but I found this, this guy that made Hayek and I think I spent like 1200 bucks on it. And this was in long know, time ago. That was, that was a lot of money in 1980, you know, when you're, yeah. <laughs> and so I bought it and it was a miserable piece of crap. It sounded like <laughs> I tried, I did try to tell people it sounded like Sorry. if you had got a big plate of steel and you yeah. put, you put tuning pegs on one end of this big plate of steel and a bridge and you put the strings on it and you pick on it and it goes, bing, 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 Stop. you know, and that's the, that's the E string. <laughs> bing, 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 Stop. Bing, bing. Awful. That poor guy. Oh, I know music. you're going to like these. How about a music man bass? Did you ever have a good music man bass? I did have a good music man. Uh, it was the it. single pickup version. I, <laughs> I hate how the double pickup versions sound. They sound so thin. Okay. On, that thin, That's good to know. That bang, 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 bang. You know, if you're, if you're, uh, you're plucking, if you're, if you're, uh, and and the problem with it being so thin up on top, it's fat on the bottom, so it's just uneven for me. I had a really good, you know, you know what? Wait a second, I take that back. I never had a music man. I had a GNL. I had a GNL with a single soap bar style pickup in it, and that thing sounded awesome. I'd love to have. Yeah, that. those are good quality instruments. The guitars the are G good, so the basses yeah. must be good. George yeah. and Leo, man, they knew yeah. what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. let's uh, let's get off the, the bass train. <laughs> that was great. Thanks for that. That was Ask very me about entertaining. Amps. I'll tell you. Yeah, something. let's go for the amps. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring some amps up to Galleon Kruger. I I I love Galleon Kruger. I I endorsed them for a long time. Used used their amps for for the longest time. Yeah, good, great, good stuff. Great. The, what was I mean, particularly the real, the, what was particularly the, good about them? Yeah. Well, I, I loved, you know, I used, um, I used the 2001 head. So it has had a lot of power and a, and a pair of the 412, the, you know, the tall. Yeah. Yeah. You know, deep, quadra boxes, quads, the, the big, tall, tall ones, you know, yeah, quad boxes. And, yeah. uh, and it sounded, and that sounded really good because I liked it. it. It was, it had a real quick response and it crisp when you wanted it to be, but it also, it just had, it just had a lot of, uh, it had a lot of, uh, punch to it. I think it a really lot of guys punchy. were using those yeah. when they were on a run there for a while. A lot of guys yeah. went to that particular setup. Of course, yeah. how about Fender amps? You know, I think I had uh, maybe one Fender amp. It's just, yeah, I did. I had a Fender. Uh, I had a Baseman with a 215 cab. Nah, it just didn't work for me. Okay. I mean, the fact that people like them for guitar tells you all you need to know about them as a bass amp, you know. Okay. How about a no, Marshall? Ever use a Marshall bass amp? No, I've never used a Marshall. Okay. Amp. It, it'd be fun to plug into a big, huge stack of those, though. Yeah. Maybe a whole wall full of them, huh? It might. That might be what it takes. Now, now I know, uh, and this is a story coming from me, I know that you've played through polytone amps, and you were checking yeah. them out once, but one time when you rolled up, you rolled up with enough polytones for an orchestra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to I used to bring four of them, the, the single fifteens. <laughs> yeah. And I'd have four of them and I'd just daisy chain them together. And that's and that's what I did. I used to like that. Well, that sounded great. <laughs> I mean, God, it was like thunder. So uh Yeah, yeah so four fifteen setup. That was pretty good yeah, for a little uh club. How about a Yamaha bass amp? Did you ever use those? I did. I liked the Yamaha's the seventies and eighties stuff I thought was great. Okay. It was that was really good stuff. Did you ever have a Ampeg SVT, I think. Uh, SV, SVT is the amp I request whenever we have rental gear. Anywhere around the world, we're, we're touring, I always get an SVT because you know what it's going to sound like. Boy, are they getting and a it's, good And it's got balls, you know? Yeah. SVTs have balls, ladies and gentlemen. Boy. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. So but what's the amp yeah. you're using right now in your studio, at home, when you go to a gig? Uh, what, are you, what are you using right now? I, after... A bunch of years, I, I switched over to uh, Mesa Boogie for okay. a period of time, and I was using uh, one of their big heads and a uh, and a double fifteen cab, and uh, and that worked out well. But for some reason, I went. I decided to go back to the component style system again, and so now I use Ashley Ashley preamps, okay, and uh, Q and uh, QSC power amps. You know the big yeah QSC big yeah. heavy Good stuff. lead sleds. You know, and uh, I think and, they took over from where Crown left off. Yeah, you know, when Crown went out, that they came in and filled that gap. Yeah, yeah, and then and then using and then you know fifteen 
you know, double 15s or a single if it's a little gig, whatever. 15 yeah. and a tweeter, you know. So I like yeah. the sound of 15s a lot. So Cool. Good stuff. Yeah. So uh, we didn't talk about Kenny G very much, but you did know that at one time uh, you guys were the third largest touring band in the world next to, I think, the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin or something like that. Uh, no, it was second. Second. Next, next, behind Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson? Well, she Janet doesn't Jackson count. Was, Come on. She had the biggest tour in the world at, at that time. Wow. The Nation thing. That's and, amazing. And we, had the, we had the second highest grossing that year, I remember. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> it really is because it's an instrumental group that has a, a jazz you know, foundation in its, in its core. It's, it's just a fantastic phenomenon, actually. Good for you guys. But here's, here's something that will blow your mind. I, Rolling Stone put out a, uh, you know, one of their magazines they had, they listed the top 50 selling artists of all time in the world, history, right? You know, unbelievably, we, I mean, we had no idea. We always knew how many records Kenny has sold. It's like 75 million plus. But do you realize that he is the number 26 in history, all-time highest-selling artist. That means there's only 25 bands or people, you know, and once you start going through, you know, the Beatles and the Stones and Zeppelin and, and this and that, all of a sudden you get to Kenny G. It's, it's hilarious. Number 26 of all time. That's crazy. I know. And, and yeah. way ahead of a lot of, of a lot of really big bands that, you, that you would just freak out. <laughs> I think, uh, um, 
that that guy is one of the more versatile, you know, musicians out there, and they don't know that what he could do if he wanted to cut himself off of the legs, he could be playing all kinds of real contemporary stuff, you know, as well, because he is, mm-hmm. I think, very versatile, and he's got the chops, so he could do anything he wants yeah. with his horn, really. Yeah. He's, he's found a niche for himself oh, with his commercial sure can, music. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. No, Good he's, for him. He's, he's a fantastic player. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, so when you were gigging with me at the uh, studio, which was a lot of yeah. fun, by the way, and people constantly <laughs> remind me that, that how much fun they had when they were there, um, were you guys going through a bit of a, a scrape because uh, you didn't know if you were going to be working with him or something? And uh, I can't see that band working without you. You're like a fixture. So where Kenny G goes, Vale Johnson goes in my mind. So uh, did anything like that come come about or well, ever happen? There was a, yeah, there was a period of time. So that must have been in, in or around 1995. Yeah, in the, I was going to say mid-90s. Yeah, 95, 96, I had, uh, I had booked a tour with uh, a summer tour with Herbie Hancock. It was one of these all-star tours where, you know, I think it was, uh, you know, Doc Powell and Gerald Albright and Herbie All the was best playing. guys. Gil Scott Heron was playing. Oh, I'm going to talk to singing. you about him. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah, and, thanks. Uh, and, and me. And so here's this summer tour that we had. And it was in a, a time frame where Kenny had, had not booked dates and wasn't going to book dates, you know. And we get closer and closer. And all of a sudden the Herbie tour starts to get a little earlier and the Kenny tour that was before it starts to add dates. And then all of a sudden it went like this. Now there were a couple of dates that conflicted and I wanted, and I wanted to try to sub out uh, the dates with Kenny. And that's, uh, you know, has been forbidden. You know, if you're, if you're doing Kenny's gig, you're doing all of them, you know, because, and he treats us well and it's, and it's totally understandable. He doesn't want to change players. And we got to this point and it, and things got a little sour about me wanting to still do it. And the promoter from the Herbie thing was really pressuring me to not back out of that. Cause then he has to find somebody else without a lot of notice. And, and that was going to be a bad scene. And so, I went ahead and went with the uh, the Herbie thing, and you know uh, Tom Barney, you know a famous bass player from New York, guy, uh, great player. He came in and, and took my place on Kenny's gig, and that was for that might have been you know a year and a half or two years before I went back, mm-hmm. uh, before I went back with Kenny again. So there was a, that period of time where where we did uh, have a little uh, a little split there. Wow, that was a real predicament you put yourself in. Yeah. Well, because I was always, I was always booking other stuff and and things, and when there'd be a conflict, I'd cancel. And still to this day, there's stuff that I have to cancel. You know, uh, to to go for a Kenny gig that gets booked kind of late. You know, and it's like, oh well, I have to back out on, you know, I have to back out on Steve Perry, for example. You know, <laughs> I I have seriously, I have to back out on on a, a, a Stevie Nicks run or something. You know, that's just how it's that's kind of been the story of my life because Kenny's gig is it's been consistent and it's really a family kind of a thing. You know, it's really, it's really cool. So yeah, it's, there's always that, uh, that hazard of having, you know, shows run into each other and then there's a problem. And then, so yeah, that, that's what happened. Wow. And then when I went back with him in probably like 97 or something and, and things have been really good. So it's, it's all cool now. I know the answer to this question, but, I checked her ID. It said that she was 15. <laughs> I know you didn't have it. I know you didn't have any regret getting to play with Herbie Hancock when you look back. No. no when you no. look back, you said, "I'm so glad I got to play with him on that tour because it's like yeah. memory plus, right?" Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No. It was it was it was the it was it was a good thing overall. It's definitely a good thing. I remember Eric Johnson uh, said he had regrets because Stanley Clark wanted him to do a tour, you know, and he said mm-hmm. I should. I mean, just for the sake of of having the experience of working with Stanley Clark, I should have I should have said yeah. yes and for you know foregone or whatever the word is, you know, forego yeah. what I was going to do uh, instead right, and just right. go with Stanley Clark. Yeah, that would have been better for me, I guess, <laughs> emotionally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah, right. Hey, that's a great story. Thanks for that. 
anything in particular that you might have wanted to share with people out here in the uh, in the COVID world? COVID oh, world. Oh man. Me? Yeah. Right. Right. COVID. No, no. no I'm trying to think if there's some other fun uh, fun guitar player story. Played with some pretty good guitar players over over the time, but uh, well, man. we are. You, George, you covered George Benson. Yeah. You know, yeah. you covered Frank, you know, Frank and Bali. Those are huge Frank. slammers right there. Oh, Gil talk, Scott about... Heron. Now, I oh, Gil Scott. I opened yeah. for him in Chicago, right? When I really? was when I was wow. working nice. with Denise Williams, we played at the Ivanhoe Theater in Chicago. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I know that place. And he kind of scared me. Gil, I, I was looking around yeah. going, is there going to be a a riot? Are these guys going to overthrow the local <laughs> right. government? I mean, he was so right, political. Right. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, big time. That was that was fun for me because I always enjoyed. Um, what I love most about music is that it's it's a universal language in in that it it transcends color most of the time. It it, tra- it yeah, well it transcends all this uh, group identity that it, you know has always existed. So I mean, and I'm sure that you've had a s- similar experiences that you know I can be. I could be the only the only white guy in the band, yeah. And people look at you, you know, a little like you're out. You know, you feel a little out of place at first, but you bring the music, you bring the music, and everything's great. Everything's <laughs> fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Well, you, I used they, to ask you, the managers, "How come they hired me?" You know, yeah. they said, "Well, we want a cosmopolitan. We want a more universal look on the stage. So we wanted, <laughs> you know, we wanted somebody that looks like you up there too." And, no, I, and I used to go, well, yeah, I mean, everybody likes it except for all the people around the band. You know, all the hang, <laughs> all the roadies and the hangers-on, they say, what is he doing here? Yeah, you right, know? right. Yeah, it makes you uncomfortable, well, but, yeah, but as soon as you start playing, they got to shut up, right? Well, the, the thing is, I look at it like it's fun to win people over that are not expecting to like you. <laughs> I, I enjoy that. that. So I get some satisfaction out of that. And and I've, it took a little while, but I won over Gil Scott. Yeah, and it, it took a while, but he accepted me eventually, and uh, and I think that that was he he was probably surprised too. Well, how did you get in you there know? in the first place? If he was uh, so skeptical to begin with, right? But that, this was that this was that all star tour with Herbie that I that I was talking about. <laughs> it, that was that same tour. <laughs> I love it. So so he was so forced. I'm the to- I'm the token in the tour because I was good friends with the promoter, uh, guy, a great guy named Larry Bailey black guy from LA and he used to, uh, he would promote Kenny's tours. And so he knew the value of, of what I would bring to the show. And so yeah. that's why he really, he wanted me in on it. And so he brought, so it was, you know, it was Herbie and, and, and all this. So I'm the token and, and, uh, I won over almost everybody in the band. There, there was one particular person. We can get him. Particular. Who was it? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a her. It was a singer. Oh, okay, that's okay. Uh, she's just a little too militant, you know, for her own good, and didn't you know just didn't like having me around. Yeah. But uh, everybody else, you know, that that's the cool thing. I mean, I, I I like being able to just have music be what what the point is. Yeah. The other all these other artificial barriers can just disappear if everybody is really into the music, and that just says it all. So. So that's kind of been my experience because I, I've I've done mostly R and B and jazz stuff in my life. I've I've always wanted to do a big rock gig, you know. But I but once I got in with Kenny, everything went to the R and B, jazz and sure. funk end of things. But you know, originally I was a rocker. I wanted to, you know, I, I was all about Zeppelin, and uh, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, and and all of that stuff. Yeah. And and, uh, and I still to this day I think it'd be really fun if the opportunity ever came up to. To put to get in one of those, you know, the the classic uh, classic rock bands or something. I think it'd be really fun. I'd love to go out and play that music. But but yeah, so I'm always doing the R and B stuff. So I always have to kind of win people over. And uh, but I like it though. I like doing that because almost always, ninety eight percent of the time, it it works. Mm-hmm. There's some people that are just not going to like you no matter what, and that's just how some I was- some people are. I think you get a kick out of this. I was playing right across from the Perth Concert Hall where Dire Straits was playing, and I was in this little bar, you know, playing blues. And then when the concert was over, you know, people just pour out of this huge entertainment center, and they're on the streets, and people are starting to, you know, come into the bar, you know. And this one guy goes, 
wow, God, I really, really like what you're doing. I go, thank you. And he goes, are you Canadian? And I go, uh, no, I, I'm American. And he goes, oh, that's too bad. You know, it's like, it's oh like, it's like it didn't even matter. You know, what color, what country are you from? In this case, right, you know? right. Oh, it's uh, stupid. You know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all such. It's all so artificial. You know. It yeah. just It's uh, it's it's ridiculous. Are you Canadian? <laughs> no, I'm American. Oh, that's too bad. Oh man. <laughs> a lot of those what? colonial like Australians can guys. talk. Come on. <laughs> Just hey. a bunch of freaking criminals over there. I love Australia. <laughs> we have a great time. Oh, they must they must eat you guys alive over there. Oh man, it was so guys. much fun. Love it. Yeah. They have oh, a I very strong uh, appreciation for jazz over there. Let me tell you, they love great yeah. instrumental yeah. music. I know. Yeah. Yep. Hey, this yeah, is oddly enough, even even you know, like Germany has has this appreciation for R and B and jazz stuff or Poland for crying out loud. It's crazy. But they, but it really yeah it's really been uh, you know like playing the uh, playing uh, Warsaw Jazz Festival I played there with Eric Marienthal actually one time and it's yeah it was amazing you know big packed house to come hear instrumental music what they you they know? know the history of music probably better than we do a lot of those guys they, they do yeah. there's there's a lot of them absolutely that do yeah. you know like like the glory days of the big festivals you know. Um, uh, like in in uh, in Den Haag, you know the North Sea Jazz Festival. I mean, check this lineup out. So we're playing there with Kenny. This is early in Kenny's career, but it just started hitting big. But hit the, the lineup on this is Miles Davis. We got George Benson. We got uh, John Schofield. You know, steps ahead. You know, you got Yellow Jackets. You know, <laughs> all this stuff and and Kenny G. You know, it's just it's crazy. You know, that's a potpourri of the best. Yeah, I know. It was so much fun to do all that Would stuff. We did a lot of gigs with Miles. It was hilarious. Uh, we did a lot of gigs with him. And that was that was that was a trip. That was. Uh, did he pick on you guys? Ever? Uh, no, no, no. Never said a word to us. But I, I do remember one time we're at the we're at the Lincoln Center. We're doing we're playing. We'd had a couple nights at the jazz at the Lincoln Center. It's us and Miles. And I remember one time after his set because we uh, we opened the first night and then and they didn't want to do the set change and so so since they played second on the first night they went ahead and opened on the second night so they didn't have to redo all the set twice you know and yeah. so after his set one time i remember he, he walked by walked by our dressing room the door was open and he walks in he walks in you know in through the threshold picks up his horn and just goes and walks out and we all were thinking i think that was a good thing i'm pretty sure he seemed happy, but you know, I'm I, I can't really tell. But we all looked at each other and said, Well, let's just decide that that was a good thing. Okay, yeah, that was good. Miles approved of us. You know, he just came in and went, <laughs> That's hilarious. You know, you're reminding me of this uh, guy that was busking, you know, uh, on the street here in Laguna Beach, you know, but he was off to the side on a corridor, you know, that had roses and he wasn't really in the main drag, but he was back there with his trumpet and he had this mm -hmm. elevated dish, you know, for tips, right? Okay. And he was standing there like he was a soldier at attention and he'd walk by and he'd look at you and he'd look at it and he'd pick his horns up, his horn up, excuse me, and he would do exactly what you just did. He'd play one <laughs> note. Bah! And then he'd look at you, expecting you to walk over to the tip jar and put something in there. He wasn't even playing, you know. Wow. Yeah. That's all he did. Yeah. Hey, uh, oh, man. I, thank you so much for being here today. It's like we could, uh, well, a friend of mine in Australia said, if we're going to talk guitars, we could talk forever. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a hell of a lot of fun. I want to thank you so much for being here. Hope you had fun. Oh, it was, it was great to chat with you, man. Been, we had, I, I still have such fond memories of, oh, of uh, all that all that music that uh, we made down there. It was so much. It was great. I'll never forget it. It's just something I'll always have, you know. There was another, thanks so much. Uh, you know, same here. It was, it was uh, memorable. There was another bass player. And, and if I sat down and wrote down all the session guys from L.A. that happened to play with me at the Studio Cafe, I think people would be amazed. But oh, yeah. he said similar things. But he said, he goes, man. This is like when I used to play in my garage band when I was a kid. This is so much fun. You <laughs> yeah, know, and I, yeah, I looked yeah. over and I went, what happened to you? You know, it's supposed <laughs> to be fun. Jeez. Yeah. Great oh, stuff. The session, scene will, the session scene will take all the fun out of you, that's for sure. Yeah, Glenn, LA, Glenn you know. Campbell said that, you know. 
Oh, okay. That's a, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he said, you know, uh, oh, yeah. doing Glenn Campbell sessions became very, uh, very taxing at one time for him. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Man, I could, yeah, well, I can imagine. It's just kind of the nature of, of the beast, but man, playing live and doing that stuff like we were doing down there. I mean, I would do that again in a heartbeat. It would be so much fun. Well, maybe we'll have to do it in Nashville when I'm out there visiting somebody besides you. <laughs> we'll get Absolutely. A gig. We'll get a gig and uh, light the town up. It'd be fun. Yeah, it would be fun. That okay. would be fun. I have to find a, a drummer that I won't beat up because because they. Yeah, suck. oh, that's the problem. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Well, I'll open for you as a solo guitarist, and then you can <laughs> okay. come out and do the bass thing. We'll, <laughs> oh man! I'll we'll go on the road with you in my own caravan. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that would be fun. Any last uh, thoughts besides uh, filling me up with so much joy? That was such a great chat we had. Thanks. Oh man, man, yeah. am I any uh, any last. Uh, any last statements? The last meal? The MC final, Hammer. Uh, <laughs> MC Hammer. Have you got an MC Hammer story? Oh, man. MC Hammer. I mean, he had you know, troops I did a, I, yeah, I did a live. Yeah, I did a live, a live video with him. Um, I don't really have any interesting MC Hammer stories. You got a lot of fun Arsenio Hall stories, you know, from playing on that, playing on that show. You know, he had me out as a... As a, as the music guest, a number of times I played there a bunch with Kenny, but then Arsenio uh, came and saw us at the Universal Amphitheater. You remember that? How much fun that place used to be, you know? And um, man, that was uh, so. That was some good times. Oh, I got this. This is totally off off topic, which is probably okay. perfect. Man, I got it at Universal Amphitheater after a show one time. I got a picture with me in the middle. On my left is Carl Weathers, and on the right is OJ. And since that time, and this was in eighty eight or nine since that time i've been so hoping that carl would kill somebody because it would make that picture you know really really interesting you know so i'm still waiting but he hasn't done it yet but if he kills somebody i'm putting that picture up on my website that yeah, means all three awesome. of you guys are killers yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right all right yeah well we'll have to beat up on a drummer when i come out to nashville just to take it out the, take the mickey out of him you know really get, get oh yeah oh yeah there's plenty of them that, that have it coming so yeah let's let's uh we'll make that happen oh, i'll see you later man thanks so much all right thanks all right. john take care of yourself yeah all right be well all right this has been a believe podcast I'm your host, John Heusenstamm, and this is The Guitar Life, some blues from the Studio Cafe, Dale Johnson, John Heusenstamm.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.